Another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and with me on today's episode is my good mate Liam Webster McAllister. Liam, I hope that you've had a wonderful weekend. I know your magpies had a wonderful long weekend. I hope you had a wonderful long weekend too. I mean, probably a good as as good a week as I've had in probably recent memory. So I'm in quite a cheery mood this week. There you go. There you go. Dear listener, I hope that your week has been as good as Liam's week because apparently his week has been wonderful. Now, in case you don't know, basically this podcast split into three sections. Section one, we discuss each our top two highlights, lowlights of the round that's just been. Section two, we discuss the four main talking points to come out of the weekend. And then section three, we preview the weekend to come, give our tips who do we think is going to win by how much and why, which game we're most looking forward to and why, and which game we think is going to be the biggest blowout potentially. But before we start, I do want to talk about this for just a tiny, a brief second. Um, actually, I'll talk about it in a second. Liam, um, I'll start with you. What's your top two highlights of round 13? Well, I think it's quite safe to say round 13 had... Um, uh, an enormous amount of comebacks um, and I was fearing that that would happen to Collingwood because it was Buckley's day and we all wanted him to win and thankfully we managed to not allow Melbourne to pull off another comeback which this weekend seemed to be flooded with um, so that's my first highlight I think even fans from other clubs were just you know I wouldn't go as far as say happy but they were just you know, accepting of Buckley's, uh, you know, status as a legend and, you know, at least happy to see him go out on a high, uh, at least the majority of fans. Some would, you know, still argue and be salty about it. Um, and my second highlight has to be that Kennedy goal from the boundary line um, to win it for West Coast. They looked done and dusted with about, I think it was seven or eight minutes on the clock and then they just turned it on. They just took it up a notch and showed why they're still, uh, you know, one of the best teams in the comp on their day. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I celebrated that goal like my team had just won the premiership. So, yeah, that, those are my two highlights. What about yourself? Uh, I'm not going to lie, Liam. That, that sounds really, really, really sad. You celebrating another team's win like your team's won the grand final. Um, look, at least at least your team's, at least your primary team, Collingwood, at least won a premiership in your lifetime. I was born 11 days after Essendon's most recent premiership. So, don't really have solid ground to stand on. Um, for me, my top two highlights, number one, uh, the uh, Queen's birthday Monday, just the whole day. Yes, obviously, you know, Buck's got his fairy tale and I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely happy for him. Um, but it's also just the day itself. You know, it's the millions of dollars that was raised uh, for Fight MND and Danaher, absolute legend, absolute superhero he is. Um, according to The Age, just reading this headline, more than $10 million were raised during the big freeze. Absolutely incredible effort. I thought all the costumes were fantastic. My personal highlights were Jeff Farmer going down as a wizard uh, and Gillan McLaughlin going down as Meatloaf. Finally, Meatloaf did something good <laughs> at the MCG on that stage. Um, absolutely fantastic. Just a great day all around. And my second highlight, I'm really torn. So I'm going to, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say my second highlight is a tie between Hawthorne's performance on Friday night. I did not see that coming. I thought it was incredible. Great victory for Hawthorne and one that could potentially make Clarko stay at Hawthorne. Because if they continued being as poor as they have been this season, I think that there's a chance that he could leave. But if they perform the way that they did on Friday night for the rest of the year, they don't have to win every single game. Sure hope they don't win this coming weekend. But just, you know, they show a lot of heart and spirit like they did on Friday night. Clarko could stay. 
I mean, that was the future right there for Hawthorne on Friday night. It was an incredible performance. Um, and it's tied with Riley Thilthorpe. Kicked five goals, I think it was five goals, six, in his debut game back in round six against Hawthorne down in Launceston. Absolutely incredible debut, like out of this world debut. And then a few games later, he kicks the most miraculous goal you'll ever see over his head, if you don't mind. Little bit of Brendan Favola about that. Little bit of Luke Parker 2018 against West Coast about that. And just to show how much effort he put into that last quarter, that chase, he not only kicked it over his head from 20 meters out or so, but he was there on the line to shepherd it through. This kid is going to be something else. I tell you what, it could be the reincarnation of Tony Godra, Madra in Adelaide. I know Adelaide fans would be absolutely frothing me saying that, but I'm serious. It could be the next Tony Modra. Um, now low lights. Uh, it has to be the tweet about Patty Ryder. And there's part of me that doesn't want to give this any more oxygen because I, I often think that it's, you know, attention that people like this want, you know, they want people talking about them. But I feel that I feel like it, it does need to be mentioned that it's 2021 for crying out loud. And you still get people who think that it's okay to make a racist statement about anyone, let alone make it on social media. Like it's bad enough to make a racist statement towards anyone anywhere on social media, in person, it doesn't like anywhere. But to do it on social media, where people can take screenshots of it, where people can send your employer a direct message with said screenshot, which apparently people did to this particular person, is not only a terrible situation, it's dumb, it's stupid, it's idiotic. And whatever this person gets as a result of what they tweeted out, they 100% deserve. My second low light has to be the, it was going to be the Sydney Swans at about halftime of the St. Kilda Adelaide game. But then the second half of that game happened. The Saints were leading at one stage. 30, I think it was 36 to nil midway through the second quarter. And they were still leading by six goals early in the third quarter when Brad Crouch kicked a goal. That was their last goal of the game. Adelaide kicked the last seven goals of the game to win. And now the Crows are one spot ahead of St. Kilda on the ladder. Think about that. Midway, imagine saying before round one, imagine saying before round one, that the Adelaide Crows, the Wooden Spooners, the team that was looking like for most of last year that they wouldn't win a game, would be above a team that finished in the top six in the semifinals by the midway point, actually now just over the midway point of 2021. That is crazy. And yes, St. Kilda have had injuries. Welcome to the club. Everyone else has had injuries too. Yeah, sure. They've had to deal, you know, with they've had to deal with a lot of a lot of strife. So guess what? So does everyone. Richmond has to deal with a lot of strife. They seem to almost create their own strife, and yet they're still winning lots of games. Collingwood has had more strife than any other team over the last few months, and yet they're finally starting to string wins together. And their remaining draw is tough. It's really, really tough. We're going to touch on the Saints more later. But in the next few weeks, off the top of my head, I don't know which order the games are in, but next few weeks, they play Richmond, Collingwood, West Coast in Perth, Brisbane at the Gabba, and I think they also play Port Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. That 
And they also play Geelong and Geelong later on this year. And they play the Swans again at Marvel Stadium. Don't forget the Swans play Marvel Stadium really, really well. That is brutal. That's really, really, really brutal. And so for me, I'm looking at this team and I'm thinking, man, they got to hope that 2022 is going to be like Melbourne's season in 2020 or 2021, where they rebound after their horrible 2019 season. Man, thank you to better hope that they can do the same thing. So how about you, Liam, your top two lowlights? Yeah, I'm with you on the Saints. That was just an absolutely awful um, performance in the second half. Um, I think if you've covered most of it there. You know, they, they kicked the goal early in the third quarter. You thought, right, they're off now. Six goals, you know, Adelaide might make a, a late push, but they, they won't catch them up. Well, they did. <laughs> um, I don't think any more needs to be said about that. Um, but the other low light is the other game, which you were, I think, I'm not sure. I think you, I think you gave it a tie or you were going to give it a tie. Um, yeah, Sydney were just never really in that game against Hawthorne. It just got worse and worse as the game progressed, really. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you'd like to think a team who earlier on in the year were, what, 5-0? and I think they were, Sydney, I believe, or at least 4-0. 4-0, four, 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 four excuse me. Yeah. Five, like the, we haven't, like, the last few weeks haven't been that bad that we've gone from 5-0 and to where we are. Yeah, so, you know, 4-0 and um, were looking like they were going to be pushing for, I mean, at least finals, but potentially pushing for, you know, a double chance. Um, and now they've just kind of slid down a little bit. They're not completely out of the frame, obviously, but... Hawthorne's the sort of side that if you're a team who wants to be making the eight and making a push for the double chance, you need to be getting past. Um, you know, every team has the occasional slip up, but I think Sydney's form has dwindled a little bit in the last month or so. Um, and I think Hawthorne is kind of a testament to the, the where Sydney have kind of fallen off lately. Um, so that's my second low light for the week. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to lie, that, that loss to the Hawks hurt. <laughs> came out of absolutely nowhere. Jeez. Um, I reckon the buyers come at a good time for this once. But let's get on to talking about Sydney and talking about the other teams in the eight. On to the major talking points that come out of the weekend. It's looking more and more likely, especially with the Giants drawing, tying against North Melbourne, it looks far more likely that the top eight is now locked that the eight teams that are there will be there come the end of round 23. Obviously, the order is not yet finalised, though. So my question to you is, Liam, what is the top eight going to look like come the end of round 23, in your opinion, and why? Yeah, so you obviously already mentioned GWS drawing, and that was one of the things that I was considering when I was figuring out what my top eight is going to look like because the Giants had looked really good in, you know, the last month or so. And they've had a couple of, you know, poor results. That draw against, you know, North Melbourne was a bit of a blow for them. And I think that was the one team I thought might break into the eight until this weekend. Because I thought if they can get a bit of a run on, they've got the quality, they've got, you know, the ability as well. Um, so I thought they were maybe the team that could break in. But now with that draw, they're out, they're a game out, over a game outside the eight. Um, and I think the teams that could fall out um, are probably strong enough to stay in. So I agree with you that I think the eight is more or less locked up. Um, the order, though, I think is going to be wildly different from what it currently is. I think based on the way that some of the teams have been playing lately, um, I think namely the top four is going to have a big shakeup for me. I think the Bulldogs going to finish top. I just think that um, Melbourne lately have looked a little bit shaky. The Bulldogs have a game in hand, granted it is in Geelong against Geelong. But I think based on the way that teams have been playing lately, uh, the Bulldogs for me are going to be top because they've scored the most points this year and they've also got the best defence. So they tick all the boxes in terms of kicking points and not letting the opponents kick points. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think that based on form, they're probably for me just ahead of Melbourne. So I've put them on top. Um, I think the Cats are going to come in second. I think that they've 
they've got the ability to wipe teams, I think, and that's something which will be crucial. Um, and looking at their percentage, it shows only West, uh, only well, there's two teams: there's Melbourne and there's the Bulldogs, who are wildly ahead of everyone. And I think that's another factor why the Bulldogs will probably finish top there, almost twenty percent ahead of anyone else. That is a huge margin. Um, but the Cats aren't far behind Melbourne. Uh, they're only 2.5% 2, 2 behind. Um, and I think the Cats, again, have the ability to, to smash teams, even teams that you would think would be able to challenge them. They've been able to breeze past this year. So they're second for me. Uh, then I think the Ds will come in third. I think they'll still be able, able to pick up enough results to maintain um, a top four. But just, you know, they've lost two of their last five. They got beat by Collingwood, who have been... Okay, granted the last couple of weeks have been okay, but for the most part, I've been a pretty abysmal team this year. So I think Melbourne has slipped a little bit down the radar in terms of uh, premiership favourites for me, but I still think they've got enough to make top four because they are in a strong position. Uh, I think Brisbane will round out the four. So a bit of a shake-up, but still the same four teams in the top four. I think there'll be a, a lot of remixing, uh, namely the top three. Um, I think Brisbane will maintain fourth position. And then the bottom four, again, a shake-up. Um, I've got West Coast coming in fifth. I think West Coast, you know, they're equal fifth as it is, equal fourth with Brisbane. Um, obviously, Port and Brisbane still have games to play ahead of them. But I think that Port Adelaide also have looked a bit hit and miss lately. Um, so have Sydney, the two teams above them. So I think that West Coast are more than a chance to get fifth place. Um, after that, I've got Richmond. Richmond always come good at the back end of the year. I don't think I need to really explain that. Okay, yes, they've got their injuries. Okay, yes, they've got their form issues. But once the hits like around 14, 15, Richmond usually start to come good. So I've got them coming in sixth. Uh, and then I've got Port and Sydney rounding out the last two spots, purely because I think their form for both of them is a little bit too shaky to make a push for the top four. So that's my long explained top eight. How about yours, Casper? Very interesting indeed. Uh, mine's a little bit different uh, as to be expected, I think. I think um, in first spot, I think Melbourne. I think, you know, they're, they're hitting just a little bit of a, a little bit of a dip in form. Their buy has come at a perfect time. And they have performed above, I think, anyone's expectation this year, especially against teams in the top eight around them, right? I mean, this year so far, they've comfortably beaten Geelong, comfortably beaten Richmond, beat the Swans. And, you know, yeah, sure, Sydney's in a little bit of a dump, but still Sydney against top eight teams this year have done very, very well. Melbourne beat the Swans. Uh, and they comfortably beat the Dogs, and that in, that second half against Brisbane was absolutely amazing. And they play Port Adelaide. They play the Dogs again at the MCG. Now, the Dogs play the MCG well, but I think Melbourne play the MCG better. So I'll probably be, be tipping the Demons in that one. And they play the Eagles. Yet again, that game's in Perth, but if there's a team that can beat the Eagles in Perth this year, aside from Essendon, of course, it's probably Melbourne. Uh, and maybe the dogs in round 15. And they play Geelong and Geelong. Again, I think Melbourne match up with Geelong very well. I think they're a chance to pinch that game. Everyone's allowed a little dour, a little dour period. But what's impressed me most about Melbourne is that with the exception of the second half against Brisbane and the first quarter against the Bulldogs, they haven't been at their best probably since Anzac Day Eve against Richmond. It's a long time. And yet in that time, they've only lost two games. One of them was by a point. Yeah, sure, it was against Adelaide. But, I mean, when you lose a point to anyone, you're unlucky to lose that game, especially because the umpires missed a couple of very, I think, obvious free kicks towards the end of that game that could have changed the results of it. So that's why I think Melbourne's going to finish number one. Can I just say, that's all right. And that, that's a great thing about Melbourne this year is they get results even in the games you think, gee, they're not playing very well. And that is a team that usually breeds success. If you can get wins in the games, you don't look good. But will that run out? Will eventually that catch up with them? That's my fear. Because how long can you keep scraping over the line? 
So it's going to be very interesting, uh, I think, coming into the back end of the year. What's going to happen? Are they going to keep scraping over the line or is it going to start to catch up with them? Very valid question indeed. Uh, on to Brisbane. I think the Lions are going to finish second. Their home ground advantage is probably, with the exception of Geelong and Geelong, Brisbane in Brisbane is probably the best home ground advantage currently in the league. You don't want to play the Lions at the Gabba. Geelong played the Lions at the Gabba in round 15. That could very well decide who finishes top two, potentially. And consider how close Brisbane got to Geelong in Geelong early this year. Yeah, you better believe. I know that game's a week away, but I'm going to be tipping Brisbane in that one. Uh, Lions, have, they should win their remaining matches at home. Looking at them, with the exception of maybe the Geelong game, they're not tricky matches. St Kilda, Gold Coast, no offence, Collingwood and West Coast. Not, not tricky matches at all. They should win them. I think the game, aside from the Geelong game, the game that I think could potentially decide whether or not Brisbane finish inside the top four, round 18, currently scheduled for the MCG, Richmond versus Brisbane. That game is going to be awesome. Please put it on, the, on Friday night. AFL, if you're listening to this, please put it on Friday night. If the Lions win that, Top four is locked, locked and loaded, maybe even top two. But I think Brisbane's home ground advantage is too good for them to miss out on the top four. And I'm tipping them to get a few wins away. That's why I'm thinking that they'll finish inside the top two. The Bulldogs finish third. Really difficult to whether or not second place Lions or second place Bulldogs. Only reason why I went second place Brisbane is because I think the Lions' home ground advantage of the Gabba is a slightly stronger home ground advantage than that of the Western Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium, which is saying a lot because the dogs at Marvel Stadium, another team that you don't want to play at their home ground. That is why I'm tipping the dogs to finish still in the top four. And they could finish on top of the ladder, like you said. It's entirely possible. Um, their next two games are very difficult, though. They play Geelong and Geelong. Uh, tomorrow night, and they play the Eagles in Perth. They could very well go 0-2 from those two games, or they could go 2-0. It's entirely possible, or or even crazier, they could go 1-1. Like, it could, like, it's crazy, right? I think it's fair to say these next two games for the Bulldogs are going to decide whether they're going to be pushing for top of the ladder, or probably third or fourth, I think, because it's a huge chance for them to solidify, and go ahead of Melbourne. They win tomorrow night. They go top of the ladder. So it's a huge couple of weeks for the Bulldogs. Agreed. Um, fourth place, Richmond. The reason why I have the Tigers inside the top four is because it's, it's what Richmond does. You know, for Rich I was talking to my dad about this and he said that he was listening to, I can't remember which was the player he, he heard this from. I think it was Heath Shaw who said, look, by round 18, by round 18, Richmond are going to be premiership favourites. That's just the way the universe works, you know. Gravity makes things fall to the ground. And as the season progresses, time always helps Richmond. And that is, I think, going to be another uh, another factor. What's going to be challenging for the Tigers is that then I don't think they're going to finish in their customary third position. Each of their premiership years, they finished in third. I think this year they're going to finish fourth. Can they win a premiership from fourth? Brand new territory for the Tigers. Who knows? On to fifth place. Uh, really difficult to say whether or not it's going to be Geelong or Richmond. But I'm more convinced about Richmond than I am Geelong. And that's why I'm tipping Richmond to finish fourth and Geelong in fifth. But it could very well be the other way around. On to the Swans in sixth. Interestingly enough, Sydney this year against teams inside the top eight have been really, really, really good. Like the Swans have been awesome against teams inside the top eight. And they uh, currently have a bye this weekend. After the bye, they play Port Adelaide in Adelaide, the Eagles at the SCG, the Dogs, and then the Giants. They could very well win all four of those games. 
Like everyone's talking about, oh, can the Swans miss finals? Can the Swans miss finals? And I'm just here like, sorry, do you not remember when we when we beat Richmond by seven goals at the MCG this year? Do you not remember when we beat the Lions by five goals at the Gabba? Like, do you not do you not remember those games? Do you not remember us beating Geelong? Excuse me. We beat Geelong after being down by like five goals. <laughs> Tell me another team that's done that this year. Oh, right, no one. So because of those factors and because of that run after the bye, I think it sets them up very nicely for the end of the season. Uh, but they've got to avoid, they have to avoid any more upset losses because after that, they have a gauntlet of five games against teams that they should win. They play Fremantle, Essendon, St. Kilda, North Melbourne, and Gold Coast. Funnily enough, three of those games in a row are at Marvel Stadium, interestingly enough. They should win those games, Sydney. If they can win at least two of the next four games and avoid any upset losses in that run home, they could still challenge for the top four. But I have a feeling that those upset losses are going to cost them in the end in terms of the double chance. But they'll win a home final. Uh, West Coast in seventh. Their last couple of weeks have been very impressive. I think they've gotten their mojo back a little bit and they'll get injured players back, which will only improve them and keep them in good stead come the end of the season. So why do I not think that they'll finish any higher than seventh? Because their form outside of WA still leaves much to be desired. Yeah, sure, they've won two games outside of WA this year. Whoop-de-doo. They beat Carlton and Hawthorne. Like, congrats. Hardly, hardly an impressive streak there. They play the Swans at the SCG. I know they've just beat Carlton at the SCG, but they haven't beaten Sydney at the SCG since 1999. Like, I am younger than the Eagles' current drought against the Swans at the SCG. Like, that's how long it is. They play the Crows at the Adelaide Oval, and some people might be saying, oh, well, the Crows are really bad this year. Yeah, but they beat Geelong and they beat Melbourne in Adelaide. They could very well beat the Crows. And as if it couldn't get any any more difficult for the Eagles on the road, where do they play their last game? Southeast Queensland, where they seem to have a phobia of playing good football in Southeast Queensland. I don't know. It's weird. They also play Melbourne and the dogs at home. And even though it's at home, can you say with any real certainty that they'll win those games? 100%. I don't think so. I, I'm, I think that they could lose one of, if not both of those games. And if so, and if they can't nab a surprise win on the road or two, then top four, absolutely no chance and home final, absolutely no chance. On to eighth spot on the ladder, Port Adelaide. For me, they're the meh team in finals this year. Like every other team has a super impressive factor about them. Like for the Swans, it's their record against teams inside the top eight. For Richmond, it's their habit of finishing seasons really strongly. For Melbourne, it's how strong of a foundation they have built over the first bit of the season. Eagles and Brisbane, their home ground advantage. Port Adelaide, what do they have? For me, the only thing going for them is that they should have enough of a buffer between them and the team sitting, out just, sitting just outside the top eight, the Giants, the Bombers, the Dockers, to avoid missing finals football. But yet again, we said that in 2018 and they lost like the last six games of the season and finished ninth. So it's entirely possible that they'll do the same thing again. But yeah, for me, that is the top eight just missing out. I think the Giants will finish ninth and I think the Bombers will finish 10th. Uh, and honestly, as an Essendon supporter, I'm happy with that. I am happy with finishing 10th. Honestly, that's a solid season considering many people said that we could have uh, finished inside the bottom two to finish 10th. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, now, on to other questions. Last game for Nathan Buckley for 2020. 
21 and for his coaching career in general. Uh, an absolute legend of the Collingwood Football Club. Now, Liam, I know I asked you this question. I've asked you this question multiple times. He told me over text that the dream would be Paul Ruse. Uh, do you still think that Collingwood should go after Paul Ruse? Do you, what do you reckon of giving the job to a youngster, a new up-and-comer coach like what Fremantle did with Justin Longnewer? Yeah, I mean, obviously Robert Harvey's been an assistant coach for a long time. So I'm sure he's hoping, you know, and especially with the recent history of, um, you know, stand-in coaches, um, that he could potentially, you know, throw his hat in the ring. Um, And I think Robert Harvey's been a great assistant coach. I'm just, I'll get to why I don't know if I'd pick him regardless of the results. Um, And also the likes of uh, Sam Mitchell, who's, emerged recently as a potential candidate. I loved him as a player. I was always jealous that Hawthorne had him. Coaching ability? Who knows? Um, like I've said, I think Paul Roos is the dream. Um, he has a habit of just managing to get teams back into discussions. <laughs> I mean, every team's in discussions, but you know, he, he did a really good job at Melbourne um, a couple of years ago. He got them from absolutely awful to, you know what, they're all right. Um, and there's been, you know, he's done that with a couple of teams. And I think Paul Ruse is a good coach who comes in and kind of steadies a sinking ship. Um, so I think that for that reason, he'd be the dream. I think the likes of Clarkson, I don't see that happening. He's come out recently and said he's staying at Hawthorne. So I don't know why everyone keeps banging on about Clark. It ain't happening. Let it go. Um, and then for Ross Lyon, I mean, he's the one I think could actually happen. And I really hope it doesn't because I just don't like the guy. He's just, he's not very nice, to put it simply. And besides that, his coaching ability just dwindled towards the back end. Like, there was a time there at St Kilda where you thought, gee, he really could get a premiership or two. That didn't happen. Then he went to Fremantle and you're like, oh, he's really doing stuff here. It didn't happen. It's like, when is it going to happen with Ross Lyon? If it is going to happen at all. So... I'm just, you know, for for the main reason I don't like him, that's the first reason I don't want him. And the second reason is I'm just not sure if he's still got the capability to do it anymore. Um, So, like, the difference with Paul Rouge, you could say, well, he's been out of the game for a couple of years, so has Ross Lyon. Why would you say Paul Rouge is a better pick? Well, we haven't seen Paul Rouge fail in recent history, whereas we have seen it with Ross Lyon. So I feel like for that reason, you've got to at least give Paul Ruse the tip over line in the sense that, well, he hasn't, you know, been fired essentially from his job. Um, so I hope Harvey does well, but I hope he doesn't do so well that people get caught up in the hype of it and say, give him the contract. And then the wheels come off like they kind of did for the likes of Reshore in recent times. So that's my take on the Collingwood job, which, obviously was always going to come with a very convoluted answer. How about yourself? Who do you think we're going to go with? Um, uh, sorry, whenever you, <laughs> when you said, I just don't like Ross Lyon, I just think of that interaction that he had with that one journalist. That's the best question that you could have thought of after two hours of football. Geez, you're quite brilliant, Shane. Yeah, great. Thanks. <laughs> don't know who Shane is, but I hope he's doing well. Um, look, I wouldn't be so uh, quick to rule out Alistair Clarkson, you know, as an Essendon supporter. People were saying Fantasia was, you know, hinting that he was going to stay. I mean, then he didn't. So, you know, anything can happen in football. Lots of things can change. Who knows? Lots of things can change between now and the end of the season that can make Alistair Clarkson say, no, I don't want to be in brown and gold anymore. Um, Rough line is possible. It's also possible that Robert Harvey could take you on a nine-game winning streak and remarkably finish eighth. Like, it's entirely possible. And if, it, if that happens, then surely you have to go with Robert Harvey. Uh, but with that being said, I, I honestly think that it will come down to... I think Here's the thing with Collingwood, right? You guys have a habit of going for big-name coaches. Lee Matthews. Tony Shaw, Mick Malthouse, Nathan Buckley. They're not going to go with a nobody. You're just not going to go with some backroom Joe who says that he knows how to coach. It's going to be a big name. And at the moment, 
aside from Alistair Clarkson, probably the biggest name that everyone's talking about is Paul Roos. I think that Collingwood uh, probably shouldn't go for Ross Lyon just because, and I don't believe in curses, but if there's one person in football who is cursed to almost never win a premiership as a coach or a player, similar to Nathan Buckley, is Ross Lyon. I mean, think about how unlucky Ross Lyon has been. A bounce of a football in 2010, a miraculous toe poke in 2009, and Nat Fife absolutely shanking the ball in 2013. Like any of those things change and he, was, he would be a premiership coach. But here's the difference. Ross Lyon, almost a premiership coach. Paul Ruse is a premiership coach. And if Melbourne win the premiership this year, you could chalk it down to the foundation that Paul Ruse gave over to Simon Goodwin. So I, I honestly think that Collingwood should go for Paul Ruse. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Maybe maybe you should go for an assistant coach, but for, for someone else, you know, maybe give Michael Voss a second chance at coaching or maybe... Maybe, uh, uh, judging by your face, you don't really like the idea of Michael Voss. Maybe um, maybe Daniel Jansen-Rakusa was another name that I saw in a football article uh, current uh, helping out Essendon's back line. He's doing a pretty good job at it, considering the injuries that we have to our defenders. Um, yeah, you know, it's, in, it's entirely possible either way. I'm excited to see where Collingwood goes with this. 2022 is going to be a fascinating year for you guys. On to the next question, uh, on to the Saints. After their disastrous loss to the Crows, uh, Coach Ratz has basically said it's going to be, it's, he's basically, he basically admitted that it would be a miracle if they make it. Uh, given their awful percentage, their injury list and their win-loss record. My question is uh, whether, what what should the rest of 2021 be about for St. Kilda? And if it's okay, I think I'll start with this one. It should be about building momentum. It should be about helping to mend whatever it is that is broken at that club because there is something broken and it needs to be mended before 2022 because if they don't do it, before 2022. You can write off 2022 already. I don't know what it is that's happened at St. Kilda, but there's something fundamentally wrong and they have to make major decisions now. One of the oldest lists in the competition and the teams all around them on the oldest list, like, uh, oldest list ladder are all in the top eight, all pushing for premiership contenders, Geelong, the Dogs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Rest Coast and whatnot. And meanwhile, they're stranded in 13th with like the second worst percentage in the competition, having just choked away a six goal lead against last year's winning spooners. So clearly 2021, the rest of it should be about healing. It should be about coming together and it should be about working out whatever the heck is broken at that club. I don't think it should be about wins because I'll be honest with you, I don't think they're going to get many more wins this year. Judging by how poorly they've played against the best teams in the competition this year so far, nine-goal loss against Port Adelaide, an 86-point loss against Richmond, and a 111-point loss against the Western Bulldogs. They play, in order for the rest of the season, by this weekend, Richmond at the MCG, Collingwood at the MCG, Brisbane at the Gabba, Port Adelaide at Marvel Stadium, West Coast in Perth, Carlton at Marvel, Sydney at Marvel, Geelong in Geelong, and Fremantle at Marvel. The only games looking at that that you would give, say, Kilda a chance in, Collingwood, Carlton, and Fremantle. Collingwood, I'm not even sure anymore. Like two weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, St. Kilda would be favourites for that. But I mean, look at the run that Collingwood are on now, that momentum. And it should continue. They should, you, you, you guys should beat Fremantle after the bye, considering, you know, new coaches often get a win in their first game, uh, which means that heading into that game, all of a sudden Collingwood has won three games in a row heading into that game against St. Kilda. Great momentum. Uh, and Carlton, Carlton performed really well against teams not in finals contention. So they should beat St. Kilda. So really looking at their remaining draw, the only game that I think St. Kilda should win is Fremantle. 
and ran 23. And if that happens, then that's a six-win season. But so long as they mend what's happened, so long as they fix whatever it is culturally, spiritually, socially, whatever it is at that club that's been damaged, then at least it's a six-win season, but it's been figured out. If they don't fix it, then it's a six-win season with multiple holes that are only going to get bigger. So that's what I think the rest of 2021 should be about for St. Kilda. How about you? Yeah, I think St. Kilda fans probably hate the side of me on this podcast because I always say the same things about them and point out the same flaws whenever I come on to talk about them. But even last year when people were kind of getting on the hype train for St. Kilda, I wasn't convinced because it's similar to this year, but not as bad in the case of last year. They're, they're just too inconsistent. One week you think they look really good, and then the next week they go and get beat by someone they just shouldn't have gotten beaten by. Which, I mean, rings true for a lot of teams at the moment. It's probably, okay, I won't go as far as to say what I was going to say. I was going to say similar to Sydney this year, but like we've discussed already, or you've definitely brought to some people's attention, Sydney are at least beating teams that are, you know, contenders, which is a good sign. If Sydney can just sort it out, they can definitely be, you know, a threat come finals time. St Kilda, like Sydney last year, were definitely winning some games very convincingly, but they're also just way off the pace this year in terms of losing way too many games. Um, so for St Kilda, just like I said, they don't convince me. They didn't even convince me last year when a lot of people were convinced. Um, and it's probably going to be the same as like last year was for them, I think, heading into next year. So that's figuring out the list because... You know, everyone thought last year, you know, credit to them, they made some really good moves in the trade period. And everyone thought, right, they've set themselves up well. They're looking good. And, you know, okay, they did make finals last year. That was a good start. And now it's just all come crashing down this year. Um, and I think for the, for the Saints, it's, you know, you said that Collingwood and Carlton, are, you know, and Fremantle, and you said realistically only Fremantle. Collingwood have got two wins on the bounce. So I don't know if I'd go as far as to say Collingwood are like, miles ahead of St Kilda. I definitely think that's a game they could, could still win. I'm not saying they will. Um, and I think same for Carlton. Carlton are very hot and cold. Um, so if Carlton rock up and have a bad day, I definitely think they could beat them. Um, so I think they could definitely get more than six. They could also get less than six. They could finish on what they've got, which would be absolutely disastrous. Um, but I think like you, I think that the Saints need to figure out what is going wrong on the field. And then come the trade period, try and figure out which of the older players aren't necessary to help the team go forward. Because there's definitely, you definitely can't get rid of all of them and just go with a squad of you know 25 and six-year-olds and all below, because then you have no leaders out on the pitch. But I think you probably want to keep a core group of leaders out there who have you know got a couple of years left, and then get rid of the ones who aren't really offering much. So I think come the trade period, they've got to decide who is and who isn't crucial to their team. And uh, for the rest of the year, I suppose, it's just about trying to figure out what's going wrong on the field and pick up a couple of wins which show signs of improvement. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All that healing, all that coming together. Um, Because fundamentally, football is a team sport. It's not like basketball where you can get away with having one or two really good players carrying your team. Believe me, Gold Coast tried that in 2013, 2014 with Gary Ablett and look at where that's left them. Sorry, other Gold Coast players, if you're listening to this from that time, but you know it's true. Now on to the last topic. Hawthorne now sit two wins and a lot of percentage ahead of North Melbourne. Hawthorne still 17th, North Melbourne 18th. My question is, to you, Liam, and if it's okay, actually, I'll start off with this one. Um, is the wooden spoon now a lock for Arden Street? Is it 110% going ahead to North Melbourne this year? And I think so. You would just, you know, looking at Hawthorne's remaining fixture, I can easily see them pinching another win or two before the end of the season. If they pinch one more win, right, one more win, which is a four-win season, which is still pretty bad, right? Four-win season, still pretty terrible. North Melbourne would have to win three games 
probably four due to their terrible percentage in order to have any hope of beating, uh, of uh, leapfrogging the Hawks. And looking at their draw, I can only see two games where they could theoretically win. One is against the Gold Coast, not this weekend, next weekend, in Tasmania. I could see them winning that. And round 23 against Adelaide, even though that's at the Adelaide Oval, Adelaide's a young team as well. Long season, I could totally see the the Crows um, stumbling in that one. If Hawthorne don't win another game, then the Kangaroos need to win two, probably three more games because of their bad percentage. And they probably have to hope that Hawthorne get annihilated in a couple of matches. That's a lot of things to go right for someone to avoid the wooden spoon. And I think it's one, it's just, it's, it's, it's one too many impossible things to happen all in this remaining nine games of the season. So I don't think it's going to happen. I think North Melbourne are 100% going to end up with the wooden spoon. First overall pick, possibly two picks, pick one and a, um, and a, another pick given to them by the AFL. You know, that could be a good thing for North Melbourne. But yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to avoid finishing last. Yeah, um, I think it's fair to assume that North will probably finish last, uh, unless, of course, they have a crazy run where they pick up a couple of wins at the back end of the year or Hawthorne absolutely blow it and North Melbourne pick, a cup, pick up a couple of wins here and there. Um, although... It, I think it is worth mentioning the fact that they did draw to GWS, not so much, you know, oh, you know, well done, great result, but just it does give them that extra boost of, well, two wins would take them ahead of Hawthorne now. So it's not a case of our oh, two wins, we're still 15% behind, or 18 in this case, but they've at least got that two-point buffer now where if they did get the results, it would leapfrog them over Hawthorne. So that could come in handy if, like I said, they pull off a miraculous run. I mean, I say miraculous. It's two games. Anyone can win two games at the end of the day. But the way North have been playing, it, 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 it's 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 enough. Anyone, it is North Melbourne in 2021 we're talking about. True. I mean, it could be worse. It could be Adelaide last year. It took a long time to get going. But North Melbourne this year definitely gives them a run for their money. So I do agree. I do think North are going to be sitting there getting ready to shine that spoon up. Yeah, I fully agree with that one. On to the tips for round 14, the last of the bye rounds. Thank goodness. I'm so looking forward to having a full round of football back again. And hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever you got to do, hopefully it's going to be the last weekend without football in Melbourne for a long time. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed round 15. We'll get some football back in Melbourne and hopefully we can get at least a couple of thousand people at games from next weekend on in Melbourne but it does start off in Victoria a crowd of 7,000 people maximum allowed at Geelong no one is allowed from Melbourne only regional crowds which is fair enough cats dogs Friday night football second versus third I am so excited for this game Liam I'll let you start with this one can the cats continue their hot streak at home or will the dogs? I tried to think of a dog metaphor and then my mind went blank. Send the cats running up the tree. Yeah, there you go. Um, my heart tells me to go with the dogs, but everything points to Geelong winning this at home. Um, you know, they're on a great run. I think I'll go Geelong by 10 points. I think the Bulldogs will give them a, a good game. I think it'll be difficult for long periods for Geelong, but I think ultimately at home with the run they're on, they'll find a way over the line. Um, but like I said, I, I hope that Friday night, a game between second and third, we'll get a spectacle and it won't be a blowout where, well, it, it'd probably be likely the Cats would blow it out. Let's hope that we get a good game. And um, yeah, unfortunately though, I am going to pick the Cats by 10 points. How about yourself? Unfortunately, um, because this game is in Geelong, I'm tipping the cats. 
They're just so good at home. They're just so good at home. Best home ground advantage in the league. And it's just, it's amazing. I, I genuinely, I don't know if anyone can do it this year. I mean, think about the incredible run that they've had at home since early 2007. Lost round five, 2007 at home to North Melbourne or the Kangaroos as they were called back then. Since then, they lost to Port Adelaide at home in 2007. Lost once to the Swans in 2011. 2012, 2013, from memory, they didn't lose at home. 2014, I think they lost once in Geelong. 2015 was a bad year. They lost a couple of, I think they lost three games in Geelong, which is unusual. 2016, lost only once. 2017, I don't think they lost in Geelong. 2018, they lost once. I genuinely think that 2018, just off the top of my head, just thinking, I think 2018 is the most recent time that Geelong lost in Geelong. Like they, they just don't lose in Geelong. You have a question? Yeah, didn't they lose to someone? Carlton wasn't it last year or? Oh yeah, they or, did. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Sorry. Since 2018, they've lost once in Geelong, <laughs> yeah. which is still pretty impressive. God, I forgot that they lost to Carlton. That was a game that Radagalia punched the ball back in on the goal line. And if he didn't do that, Geelong probably would have won. Such a weird game of football. Um, truth be told, I can't see anyone beating Geelong and Geelong this year. Who knows? Maybe it'll be Essendon. After all, we are so far the only team to beat the Eagles in Perth. So why can't we beat the Cats in Geelong? But that being said, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think Geelong are going to go without a loss at home, possibly maybe lose to Melbourne in round 23, but I said they'll be too good for the dogs. Their injury list Geelong is just like really short. Like it's really, really, really short. And it's super impressive. Great job to their conditioning and their fitness team. Cats by seven points. Going to be a great game of football. On to Saturday afternoon football. We'll go down to Tasmania first. This game was originally scheduled for Marvel Stadium. Now down in Hobart, North Melbourne versus Brisbane. I don't think it really matters where this game is played. It could be played in Melbourne, could be played in Hobart, could be played in Brisbane, could be played in Paris. It doesn't matter. I'm tipping Brisbane to win. And I'm tipping Brisbane to win. It should be a good game of football. Uh, I think it's going to be close I think it's going to be closer than what I think a lot of people think just because it's in Tasmania and North Melbourne always seem to lift whenever they play there. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm thinking it'll be a close-ish game. I still think Brisbane by about three goals. How are you, Liam? Yeah, I can see that. I can see North Melbourne making it difficult for Brisbane. Um, but I do think Brisbane, like you, will definitely win. Um, I think it'll be kind of in between a comfortable, like a, a close game and a, and a very comfortable win. I'm going to go Brisbane by a steady 41 points. As opposed to an unsteady 41 points? Oh, an unsteady 41 point win would be interesting to see. It, it would be perhaps, you know, it's close and then they blow it out in the last quarter. But okay. I think it'll be, they'll be kind of comfortably ahead the whole game and they'll just kind of finish it off with maybe a goal or two and just, you know, they'll never look like they're going to be threatened. Whereas if it was like a, a goal to difference, you know, three-quarter time, you could say, ooh, I could pinch it, for instance. Kind of like what Richmond did to the Bombers a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. On to the, uh, I forgot this game was earlier than the North Melbourne Brisbane game. Whoops. The early Saturday afternoon game on the Gold Coast, Gold Coast versus Port Adelaide. Now, Liam, Gold Coast last beat Port Adelaide in their first ever AFL win, 2011. Since then, it has been comfortable Port Adelaide win after comfortable Port Adelaide win after close Port Adelaide win after comfortable Port Adelaide win. They have had the wood over Gold Coast. And now that the Suns have actually beat Adelaide and beat Sydney a couple of times recently, I think their longest active drought against any team is against the power. My question to you is, can the Suns pull off a miracle? I don't think it'd be a miracle. Um... I'm not going to lie, I could see them winning it. I could see Gold Coast just, you know, pulling something out of, you know, nowhere and, you know, actually getting the win. 
because I like we've kind of discussed, Port Adelaide haven't looked overly spectacular of late. Um, so because of that, I could see Gold Coast pulling something off. But I do think ultimately Port Adelaide are a fair bit stronger than the Gold Coast. Um, so I will pick Port by 21 points, but that does come with a little smidgen of doubt. Hear that, Gold Coast? Hold on to that hope. You're a chance. Uh, I think Port Adelaide should win by about five goals. It'll be a comfortable win for Port Adelaide without doing anything too spectacular. Because again, Port this year, eh, unless they're playing at home, they, they tend to not, unless they're playing against North Melbourne or they're playing at home, they don't tend to blow teams away. So I don't think they're going to blow Gold Coast away. Um, yeah. Can I see Gold Coast winning? No. On to Saturday night football, Giants versus Blues at Giants Stadium. Now, this game, uh, experts on AFL.com.au were the most torn on this game. I am also torn on this game. I think the Giants are going to win at home just because at Giants Stadium, they're really hard to beat. And they've had to buy. Unless it snows. Sorry? Unless it snows. Yeah, but that was in Canberra. Like, tell me the last time it snowed in Western Sydney. True, true. Um, I think the Giants are going to win. I think it's going to be a great game of football. I think it's going to be by about 14 points. Because the Blues never get smashed. They never get comfortably beaten. It's always an honourable loss. And I see no reason why they will not continue to lose honourably. So I think the Giants are going to win. Liam, can your mortal enemy, Carlton, pull off a rare win against a finals contender? I don't know if I'd say they're my mortal enemy. At least not at the moment they're not because they're not a great team. My mortal enemy is kind of any team that's consistently towards the top of the ladder who's based in Victoria. So went from Hawthorne to Richmond at the moment. But, you know, Essendon and Carlton would definitely be one or, you know, one or two based on if they got back up there, which hasn't been the case for quite a long time, thankfully. Um, yeah, this is a, this could be a great game. I think, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, Bulldogs Melbourne, uh, sorry, Bulldogs Geelong, for good reason, obviously. But I think if you look at the, the bottom half of the ladder, this is probably the most interesting game. Maybe with an argument for Sunday, I think Hawthorne Essendon, I'll get onto that later, I think could be very interesting. Um, but it, this is a tough one to call because both these teams, when they play well, are very good. But when they both play badly, they're both very bad. So um, it's hard to call. Um, but with the home ground advantage, I do think that the Giants will be just a little bit too strong. I think they'll crawl over the line by a goal. On to the only Sunday match. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was more confident about this game before I found out that it was moved to Launceston. Launceston, middle of the afternoon on Sunday, Hawthorne versus Essendon. Probably get the biggest crowd you've ever gotten down in Launceston to this one. Fair chance. Two big Victorian clubs, two clubs that hate each other. Liam, I'll ask you this one. Can the Hawks pull off their second straight upset? I really hope not. Or can the Bombers bring the Hawks back down to earth? I'm going to pick a surprise result. I'm going to back the Hawks. Um, I think that Essendon should beat them and probably will. But I want to see Hawthorne win, even though, you know, they're around us, Collingwood, around us on the ladder, obviously. Obviously, they could overtake us, I think. Or is the, I think the percentage might be too much here. The percentage would be too much. Um, so for that case, it's even more reason to want them to win. Um, but I, I just feel like, you know, coming off that Sydney result, their tails are up. Essendon are very hot and cold. They might have an off day, Essendon. And if they do, they'll have their work cut out if Hawthorne do continue to play like they did against Sydney. So I'm going to back the Hawks to get over the line by 15 points. 
Wow, amazing. There's one right answer to that. And you blew it. Congratulations, you failed that exam. Uh, look, I'm trying not to be too nervous about this game. I'm really trying to not be too nervous about this game. I'm also trying to not be too confident about this game because I was way too cocky at halftime in round one. And we all know what happened after that. Oh, God, I will never forget that game. There are some games that will just stick in your memory for the worst reasons. And that is one of them. I will 21 in a row? Surely that's ahead of it. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I think for me, the worst three games that I've seen has to be hashtag 21 in a row. 2012, round 21, Saturday afternoon at the MCG, Carlton versus Essendon. Mom and I, we picked dad up from the airport. He flew in from Dubai, went to, uh, went to the hotel, dropped his bags off, went to get some breakfast, and then we went to the MCG. Literally, dad got off the plane and went to the footy. And we lost by 96 points. We were sitting next to an Essendon supporter who was bad-mouthing Chris Judd during the warm-up. And so my immediate thought was, I like this person. She's bad-mouthing Chris Judd. But the entire game, she felt the need to shout at the top of her lungs. And when a Carlson supporter in the row in front of us turned around to her, and that Carlson supporter had a kid with her too. And she's saying, can you pipe, can you, can you turn the volume down a little bit? The Essendon supporter said to her, why don't you mind your own business? She used stronger language than that, but I'm not gonna repeat it because I'm on a podcast. My ears, felt like they were going to bleed. And consider this, that was the year we were cheating and we still lost by 96 points. So that's number two. Number three is choking the 40 point lead against Hawthorne. I feel like after that, I need to discuss like my favorite Essendon wins just to like, as a tonic for my brain, for remembering all that. But that's okay, I'll do it later. I think we're gonna win, but I'm not tipping us by as much as I otherwise would if the game was at the MCG. I think Essendon by four goals. We should be getting a couple players back. And I'm excited about that because our injury list is ridiculous considering how young we are. You know, it'd be one thing if we had the age profile of St. Kilda, but for crying out loud, we're one of the youngest teams in the league. So hopefully we'll get some players back. It, it could be a good game of football, but we should win. Hopefully. If we lose, I may quit social media. Clarko Masterclass incoming, please. No, 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 excuse me. We still have one more question. You can't distract me. We still have one more oh, question. Oh, true, true. Which game are you most looking forward to and why? I think I know the answer to this question. I'm going to say the Friday night game because usually the Friday night games are the best games, generally speaking. But I do think that the GWS Carlton game does deserve an honourable mention. I am going with the Friday night game. It could be one of the games of the year. It could be a finals preview, possibly even an outside chance for a grand final preview. These are two of the best teams in the competition. It's going to be an awesome, awesome game of football. Hopefully, at least the last couple of Friday nights have kind of been blowouts. Hopefully, this one is going to be a close one. On to, speaking of blowouts, which game do you think is going to be the blowout of the weekend? Well, um, I'm trying to remember what I said for the games. I think my biggest blowout was the North Melbourne Lions. I think I said 41 points. So, uh, yeah, that's, 41 points. Yeah. So I, I think that will be the, the, uh, the blowout of the week, if, if we want to call it that. Although it's not a huge margin. It's comfortable, like I said, but it's not like, oh, Jesus, North Melbourne, you've just gone and had your pants pulled down. 
I'm tipping Port Adelaide over the Gold Coast Sun. Thank you, Liam, for joining me for this episode of the podcast. Since your pies aren't playing, good luck for your dogs. You're not going to say anything? Okay. Um, thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Catherine McLeod. Join me next week as me and a co-host will review round 14 and preview round 15. Finally, full weekends of football are back and hopefully football is back in Melbourne as well. Until then, au revoir.